You're listening to a podcast appearing on the Two Guys Talking Podcast Network. This is the Versus Machine Podcast, a comparison of great things. The Versus Machine takes on two works of art, one source material and one adaptation, and processes it through to discover the differences and similarities of the two. Whether those differences are good or bad is up to you. After all, it's what happens when you transform one medium into another. It's time to engage the Versus Machine. Welcome to the Versus Machine Podcast. I'm Joseph Burge. I'm Richard Gibson. And I've got a very important question to pose to you today, Richard. What? Have you ever wanted to skip Christmas? Yeah. Just just skip it, just pack it up, and go on a Caribbean cruise? Well, maybe not the cruise so much, but definitely skipping the Christmas What do you mean you don't want to go on a Caribbean cruise? Well, that part never came to me. That's the subject of today's topic, which is skipping Christmas versus Christmas with the Cranks. The wonderful 2001 book written by John Grisham versus the Chris Columbus, who also wrote Home Alone movie from 2004, starring Tim Allen and Jamie Lee Curtis and Dan Aykroyd. Last year we did a Christmas Carol, but this year we decided we were going to switch it up a little bit. Something really different. Yeah, really different. So we're going to take these two comedies and we're going to square them off and run them through our machine to tell you the similarities and the differences between the two. Yep. But we've got a lot to get to today, so let's start right off. Main characters. Luther Crank. In the book, Luther Crank starts as a guy with a good plan, and he devolves into an unlikable jerk. In the movie, Luther Crank is Tim Allen. Yeah, that's that's the actor. Hey, he's Tim Allen. Okay, I gotcha. So no, really no just, he is Tim Allen. Yeah, so it's just... Luther Crank is Tim Allen. Tim the Toolman Taylor, pretty much? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Luther Crank is Tim no, Allen. That, that's really what it was. There, You know, we don't do a whole lot of reviewing on the Versus Machine <laughs> podcast, but I have to be honest with you, in almost everything Tim Allen is in, he's Tim Allen. There isn't Tim really the a whole Taylor, lot of range in Tim Allen. There isn't really a whole lot of anything. Yeah. And in this movie... <laughs> Despite the wonderful writing by Chris Columbus, there's... Uh, that might be a bit of a stretch. Well, it's Chris Columbus. You can't really da- not Chris Columbus. But despite the, despite the writing by Chris Columbus, it's still Tim Allen. He hasn't changed at all. I mean, the difference between the book and the movie is pretty solid. In the book, he's kind of a really big jerk, like the entire book. I not mean, the whole book, just 75% of it. 75 yeah more like 95 no i I really think though the only good thing he does the entire book is he hands walt the cruise at the end of the book yeah so it's like the first 10 to 15 percent and then the last five the only thing he does is hand him the cruise well he's not a jerk in the first part he's just no yes he is he's a jerk throughout the entire book everything that comes out of his mouth is jerky he tabulates how much money they spent on christmas so he can complain about it i don't yeah, I guess so. Regardless, the story <laughs> the story of Christmas with the Cranks is pretty solid. It's Nora and Luther Crank, and they want to skip Christmas because their daughter joined the Peace Corps and went to Peru, Peru. to be basically kind of a Doctors Without Borders thing. Yeah. So she went to Peru, 
And so they're going to skip Christmas. They're not going to have a tree. They're not going to do anything. And the idea comes from Luther. Parties or whatever. Yeah, they had a Christmas Eve party they're skipping. But the idea comes from Luther because Luther goes by a travel agency one day on his way to work because the travel agency is right next to his work and decides that they're going to take a cruise on a boat called the Island Princess. Princess. And they're going to leave on Christmas Day. And because of this, they're not going to do anything. The problem is that in the book, Luther kind of devolves into this huge jerk. He won't give any money to charity. He He does give their $600 to the two whatever things. Because she makes them. Yeah. Because Nora makes them, but that's it. He he spends basically the entire book being the most unlikable person in the world, and he's the book's main character. About the donating thing, though, every time, like, someone comes to the door, you know, the, the Boy Scouts, the cops, or the whoever... They're always like, do you want to get this? He says, no, but if you come back with your other thing that you always come back with in the spring or summer, I'll give you what I would have given you now and that and a little more. So he's that trying to make it. Help, that doesn't help the problem, the things that they're doing right then. Right. But he's he is making the point that I'm not trying to be uncharitable and I'm not trying to say I don't like you. I'm he's just still being uncharitable. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Unless he gave the fifty bucks to the children on the way on the way out the door, he's still being uncharitable. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's a, so. it's it's terrible. But in the movie, he's mean, but he's not as mean. The movie kind of plays up the the comedy angle so badly yeah. that it kind of loses everything else that goes on. Yeah, and everything I just, is like a montage of like funny stuff. Him calculating all the amounts. Like he's making all these weird faces as he goes through receipts and making that are four ice miles so long. they fall, so the carolers fall when they come to sing at his house. That's, and he freezes the cat. That's the more sidewalk. than a jerk. That's worse because they're gonna it's like slip cruelty. and like. Well, I don't really cover the cat. I meant the the making all the people fall. Like oh, that's the first, nice. you don't like, care about he the cat. freezes the sidewalk, and the first thing you see is the mailman who's like totally a bystander. Like it's it's just terrible. Like had it been Home Alone. Then it would have been kind of funny because they're trying to break in. But this is just a mailman just walking by. Like, he the, didn't do anything wrong. The consensus is they're not anywhere close to the same. Yeah. Nora Crank. In the book, Nora is a fairly unwilling accomplice. In the movie, Nora is a far more willing accomplice. Yeah, just right off the bat, she's like, nope, your idea is kind of stupid. Well,. Yeah, she, he kind of talks her into it a little bit. And then she's like, okay, but we're still going to make these donations. He said, no, we're skipping everything. She said, I won't do it if you're not doing those donations. He finally caves on that, and then she's on board. But as soon as there's any sort of opposition, which actually happens for her like the next day with uh, the Christmas card guy and these people that she's having lunch with. Because everyone's so gossipy. You know, she's like, maybe this is kind of stupid. It's not until... This um, news article is put out, taken with this nice wide shot taken from across the street at Walt's house. Does she get really pissed off and is like, you know what, we're gonna do this? Screw you guys getting all up in our business. This is what we're doing, and then and then she has a little bit of resolve about it. But that's that's maybe twenty five thirty percent of the way through. In the movie, however, even from the very beginning of him proposing the idea to her, she's not really opposed to it. The only thing she really says is, we're still going to give the money to the church and everything, just like she does in the book. Yeah. But the difference is, at least in the book, she seems like she has 
sense where Luther does not. <laughs> where she's like, this is a dumb idea, Luther. Why are we doing this? And she just kind of gets talked into it. Yeah. Whereas in the movie, it's kind of like, okay. Yeah. And that's like the end of it. It doesn't really make a whole lot of sense why she would agree to it because they almost play up her love of Christmas more in the movie than they do in the book. Yeah. She's got that ugly Christmas sweater. <laughs> and Oh, it's traditional. Oh, it's traditional. <laughs> ugly Christmas go. sweaters? Come on, man. I don't know that she thinks it's ugly. I just It's true. It's just ugly. Yeah. Regardless though, there's just there they play up her love of Christmas in the movie and then she just kind of goes, "Okay, let's take a cruise." And it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Yeah, that's funny. And it especially doesn't play up to who plays Nora Crank, which is Jamie Lee Curtis, which we which is, you know, a astounding actress. It doesn't play up to her strengths at all because there's no character development in the movie whatsoever. No. They just go from one to place, go but there's enough that she you, changes her mind about one thing, and that's really about it. But even so, in the book, we if you want to go back to Luther, in the book, we at least get his thought process, yeah. which helps us figure out how he grew as a person during the book. Yeah. Now, granted, he didn't grow that much, because at the end of the book, no. he's still going to try to skip Christmas next year. Maybe. But regardless of that fact, the problem that we're running into is nobody really has any development. They no. just make decisions on the fly. And for a comedy, that's fine, but you can't yeah. do an adaptation and take out all the important stuff. <laughs> yeah, what little growth there is. You just, is you, you can't. Supporting characters. Vic Fromeyer. In the book, Vic Fromeyer is a well-intentioned busybody. In the movie, Vic Fromeyer is the only one who was well-casted. <laughs> Vic Fromeyer is played by Dan Aykroyd, yeah. and if you don't know who Dan Aykroyd is, you've been living under the rock for the last 40 or so years. Or you just don't watch movies. When you first see him... It's when they don't buy the Christmas they tree. They don't buy the Christmas tree. And he tree goes over to Walt, and the Boy Scout troop leader goes over to Walt and, and, Vic, and, and Vic, and Vic, and all the people standing around, and he goes, you know, Luther Crank just stiffed the scouts. And Vic's ca Vic's back is to the camera, which he didn't actually he, he didn't actually stiff the well, yeah. stiff them because that's implying that he took the Christmas tree and then was like ah and yeah. closed the door. Yeah, but um, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and then Vic slowly turns around and he has this really pissed off look on his face. You know, it's a Dan and it's like you face. already well right, but he sells his part the first time you see him. Which, well, Dan Aykroyd's a great actor. Sure, but you no can't... one else sells their part for the entire movie. It's just him, in and the, right there. In the book, he's a busybody. He's in yeah. everybody's business. He's yeah. like the unofficial block captain. He's the it's one who comes up with the frosties. But yeah, he comes up with the frosties. He yeah. comes up with everything when the frosty community organizers. Just thing. so you know, the frosty is the seven foot tall <laughs> snowman they have. They all put on the top of their roof to try to win the Christmas light contest. Yeah, which but he's the one that comes up with all of that. And that's all fine, well, and good, but it still, for me, feels like from the very beginning of the book that even though Vic's a busybody, he does it for a reason. It's not like he's doing it to be mean. No, Or he's no. doing it to be involved in everybody's business, despite Maybe. what Luther says. Luther's kind of, you know, a pessimist the entire book, so he kind of hates everyone. But it still feels to me like... Vic is trying to do something good for one reason or another. Yeah. In the movie... 
I mean, he plays it well. Oh, he definitely plays it well. But they kind of took out all of the parts of Vic that make you feel like he's well-intentioned for most of the movie. And they actually replaced those, like, they may have kept those scenes, but now Spike's doing it instead, which and it doesn't, doesn't work It doesn't make any sense. Not to His mention Spike's Spike. is way younger than he's supposed to be. Yeah. Spike is a teenager in the book, and he's like 9 or 10 in the movie. Yeah, so it's more believable in the book. But regardless, it just, they kind of took out all of the goodness out of Vic Frommeyer, so he just kind of seems like a raging dick most of the movie. <laughs> that's and a really awkward picture, but yeah. It's, it's no, really yeah. terrible. It's really, it's really hard to watch because of all the people in the book, Vic Frommeyer is the only one. With any That's, redeeming qualities? With any redeeming qualities. And even that list isn't very long. But yeah. I mean, Nora's kind of redeeming, but yeah, not very much. No, but Vic Frommeyer is totally redeeming in almost the whole book. And they kind of just took it out. And, you know, it brings us back to, is comedy for comedy's sake okay? We'll get to that. Walt Scheel. In the book, Walt Scheel is self-important and insecure. In the movie, Walt Scheele is a mean old man. Okay, so Luther and everyone, they live on Hemlock Street. I don't know why the heck you'd name a street that, but whatever. Right across Socrates from, lived there. Right across from Luther is Walt. And they, they don't get along, really at all. Like everyone else in the neighborhood, okay, they might be way too freaking nosy, but they're, they're at least bearable. Luther and Walt, they just they can't stand each other. It's mutual. Walt's always trying to one-up everyone. You know, I think for a while he wasn't actually getting with the whole everyone on the street does the frosty and this, that, and the other. But he eventually does, but he's always like, I don't know, he never seems to want to do any of the fun stuff, and he just wants to be better than everyone, except he's probably not actually as rich as he wants to look like he is. It's just kind of weird. So it seems like we don't get in much of his character. He's, he, we only see some of what he does, but he does seem, if you look at it, it's like he's probably really insecure, and that's why he does this stuff. He tries to feel important about himself because he actually doesn't. So you can kind of feel for him, even though wife, he's kind of His wife has the cancer. I which mean, you don't actually learn until a little bit later. Which makes him a little bit more sympathetic of a character. Oh, sure, sure. But, I mean, regardless, in the book, he seems like he doesn't want to do some of the stuff, but he still does it. Yeah. In the movie, they just turned him into a mean old man. He's also really freaking old. And he's also really, really, like, super old. Like, for instance, we looked up, Tim Allen was 51 when they made this movie. Which, he looked pretty good for 51. He looked good for 51. But when, but the actor who plays Walt Scheel, who is M. Emmett Walsh, who, if Stole you've ever watched name. Home Improvement, he was a guest star on Home Improvement a few times. Yeah. Um. He was 69, I think. He was 69. It's, and it doesn't, it it makes it really old. And it doesn't make any sense with the character himself because Luther talks about him trying to one-up people and him having, you know, this, this, I've got a big job and I like to make lots of money. Yeah. And he's in his 70s. It's almost 70, yeah. He should be in Florida. <laughs> what is he, he doing? I mean, I mean, what? Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't understand where we thought that aging him, you know, approximately 20 years was going to help anything. But then they also point out that he's only 10 years older, which it's like, even if you don't know, 
Luther. He doesn't look Walsh. anything like he's 10 years older. He looks All like right. he's 30 years well, older. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> he didn't age quite as well as Tim Allen apparently did. But even if you don't know the age of the actors or the age of the characters, it's like, dude, they're not 10 years apart. In general, age that's, in this entire weird. thing was kind of like off the cuff. It, it's we, almost time. time All and, sorts of time. Time and age didn't on. didn't make any sense in the movie. No. Like when they were like, it's two days till Christmas, and then two days lasted four days somehow. <laughs> and time and age didn't matter in the movie to the creators of the movie like at all. Yeah. And we age people rapidly and then we age time rapidly and it just it, it made it all feel really terrible <laughs> i can understand <laughs> suspension of disbelief i can understand no i can understand suspension of disbelief we have to believe that in the for instance in the hobbit we have to believe that they trekked across an entire world in like a matter of a couple months yeah. which that's, that's hard did. to that's hard to believe yeah. but in the same but in the same token I'm okay with it, whatever. But when you start screwing with time like it's just a thing, like, oh, whatever. <laughs> we we get to the point where suspension of disbelief is just gone. Sure. And you don't learn any lessons anymore because you're too busy going, this doesn't make any sense. Tired of attending pet expos where anything goes? Me too. Where can you find a listing of truly quality, reliable, frankly, amazing pet expositions for you and your pet? Check out AmazingPetExpos.com for the best listing of pet exposition programming on the planet. With detailed floor plans, team bios, and a grand comprehensive listing of pet programs across the United States year-round, you'll be sure to find a pet expo that you and your family can turn into a satisfying memory. Check it all out at AmazingPetExpos.com now and learn the difference between what you'll remember and what you'll experience forever. AmazingPetExpos.com. That's AmazingPetExpos.com. Doctor Who fan? Ready to hear the most recent sonic screwdriver-laden details when it comes to last week's episode? Be sure to check out twoguystalkingdoctorwho.com and learn what millions of other listeners are thinking about the good doctor. Engage the TARDIS. Now, twoguystalkingdoctorwho.com. Faith. It has a number of definitions, flavors, and meanings to everyone. But what does it mean to you? Share what direction, goals, and experiences you've found with your faith via A Call to Courage with Stephanie Haynes. CouragePodcast.com. That's CouragePodcast.com. quality website design that doesn't break the bank? Check out Two Guys Talking when it comes to rock-solid, affordable web design. Contact us at twoguystalking.com forward slash web services. Expert web design only from Two Guys Talking.
character development. Or the lack thereof. I mean, there's not really that much in the book. <clears throat> there's kind of character regression with uh, Luther. Because he starts out as... You can sympathize with him for wanting to skip Christmas. And then he just kind of hates everyone. And it's like, okay, we can... I don't get that. That's weird. But he's really the only one who changes it all. I mean, for as many characters as are in the book, minor or not, he's the only one that changes it all. And then in the movie, we don't even get that. It's, <laughs> a it goes from like 5% is character growth to zero. In the movie, they cut extreme. out all of the scenes where Luther is by himself. When he yes. walks through the mall... <laughs> When he's at, when he's, when most of when he's at work thinking yeah. to himself, they cut out all of the times when Luther's thinking to himself or when he's by himself. Yeah. So the that's problem where the it, character development's lost. You don't even get to hear him developing his own plans. And when you do that, you go from a movie that's comedic to a movie that's just comedic. It's just supposed to be yeah. funny. And the problem is the sight gags and the jokes in the movie aren't funny enough to carry it without a matter of comedic development. Without yeah. any character development at all, it's not enough. So it's nothing the, but a comedy, and it's not even that funny. And the story, to begin with, I mean, nothing against John Grisham. You and I both like Grisham. Yeah. He's written some pretty good books. I mean, yeah. in general, he revolutionized the idea of courtroom books and stuff like that he was a big progenitor of that yeah. a few years ago so it's just it's perfectly fine to call him a very good author i don't know what he thought he was gonna do with this he's got a couple non-legal books and actually with but, the exception but, of this i might like those more but yeah but those were okay but this is not okay at all this is i mean it's okay it's an okay book but what little lessons there are to be had here if you cut all those out it's not funny enough on its own no. to survive. No. It it goes from being a kind of funny book with some lessons to being a, not funny with nothing. Yeah. And it's empty. Believability. So there I mean there's some things that happen in the book, some things with the neighborhood in general, some things that are just this is the way the town is. These are the things that happen that they seem to be much more difficult for you, Joey, than they do for me. The town is really eccentric. Um, I, everyone eccentric in it is, is not the right word. <laughs> eccentric is not the right word. Everything's everyone extreme, is super religious and weird. Nah, I don't know about that. No, they are, no they're super weird. They, oh, burned, weird. Yeah, they yeah. burned calendars in the town square on live television because they had scantily clad policemen in them. Policemen. They burned them. Yeah. They had a mass burning. Just calendars, though. It's not like it's literature. It's just calendars! It's not like we took the catcher in the rye because Holden Caulfield swears and set it on fire. This policeman's not wearing that much clothes. Let's burn him! What? That was the only thing that was a little weird. No, what do you mean it was the only thing that was a little weird? I'll be called her like six times! He called her like, he like stalked her. He's a salesman. That's a little creepy. He's not a salesman. He runs a greeting card store. Yeah, he's the salesman of the greeting card store. He runs a goddamn greeting <laughs> card store. <laughs> I mean, I get that, but that's what I'm saying. That's 
weird and, and eccentric, but I can still and believe. No, it. no, no. And we'll talk. We'll talk about other believability. Okay, she goes to lunch with her friends, uh-huh. and her friends aren't mad that she's skipping Christmas. Uh-huh. Her friends are mad because they don't have anything to do on Christmas Eve. That sounds actually pretty. And funny. then she goes to like the battered women shelter, uh-huh. and all the battered women are mad because they can't go to her party either. I think that was some of the people she was working with, and some of the people that live there. I, I don't know about that. Everything about this town is off-putting. Well, sure, but and I don't find that And then we just made it worse in the movie. We just made all the off-putting stuff worse. We we made it worse because we took out all of the introspection that made things kind of understandable. Yeah. And then we did nothing with it. So now everybody's just weird, like Aubie stalks her to the restaurant. And no, he was already eating there. If you see after he talks to her and just is like super gossipy about it, like, oh, she's not having a Christmas party. No Christmas cards for her. And then he goes and sits down like he's sitting at a table behind her. So he was already there. It's still weird. It's still weird, but I don't find it unbelievable. And she says she's skipping Christmas and the whole restaurant stops and they all stare at her. Weird. But Are they in a cult? Are they in a cult? Well, they're, yeah, it seems like a tiny bit of a it's christmas vic fromeyer the the leader of a cult of the christmas cult yeah the christmas are they gonna go to waco though? texas next maybe like i don't find that unbelievable weird eccentric and bizarre but not unbelievable where is this taking place well what uh, place in america can you think that this happens why don't you ask the audience i'm gonna see if there is a hemlock street what? Where do you think this is? Ta- I'm serious. Where do you think? I, you it know, takes place I'm at, on Hemlock Street. I'm, I'm, ask, I'm asking the audience. That's plain and Go. simple. I'm asking the Go. audience. What do you guys think? Do you think that it's believable? Do you think that the movie was less believable than the book? Or the book wasn't believable to begin with? Let us know. Head over to versusmachine.com and fill out the contact form and let us know what you think. should probably also ask about the believability because I don't find it unbelievable, but you do. What else did you find not believable? Something with cop cars? Oh, they had like every cop. <laughs> there he goes. They had every cop there for Blair. Is Blair like the most popular person in the town? It sure seemed like it, at least on their is street, she, which it, is really big. Did she lovely. win the blue ribbon at the state fair? Maybe. Is she like the most? Because the ambulance was there and the. The ambulance was already there for Luther. They just didn't leave because they didn't have any, any other calls yet. Oh, uh, and then they had the fire truck come and turn on its lights because that makes sense. I think the fire sense. truck was also there. Why did it leave its lights on? Well, if they're already there, they may as well. The, the lights, lights on. were on, beckoning them home. Yeah, that was the words in the book. The lights were yeah, on, yeah. beckoning them home because they were already there, trying to get Luther off the roof. Luther's been off the roof for forty-five minutes, but they haven't had a call yet. Where else are they supposed to go? Why are the lights still on? They turned them on when they came home. Why? Remember Spike and the whole like why go green or something that he said? Why? why? These are the strings that Vic can pull because he's a community organizer or something. Yeah, because that makes sense. It does. Does he of. have blackmail photos of everyone in charge? It probably. It almost seems like it. I don't. I don't know where you grew up because we grew up down the street from each <laughs> I other. I thought you do know where I grew up. We grew up down the street from each other. I don't know where what was going on in your neighborhood, but this didn't happen. It wouldn't happen have in happened in our neighborhood, but that doesn't mean it can't happen. You're, you're an idiot. Reviews. So one of the big things yeah, that yeah read these to me I'm excited to hear these one of the big things that we that Richard and I sometimes do at, when we get ready to re, to do one of these is we read reviews. Oh, no, you do. Well, I do. You do. I read reviews of the book and of the movie, 
and I want to see just what people are saying before I go into this to just kind of get my mind in a, you know, the right frame of mind for this. But Richard never reads them. No. And there are several that came out about the book and the movie that are really just kind of terrible. And I wanted to read them to Richard and get his opinion on what he thinks. I'm excited about this. You ready? This should be good. You ready? I'm, I'm listening. Okay. Here's a here's the Amazon.com. Here's a portion of the Amazon.com review. Grisham builds a funny but increasingly terrifying picture of how this tight-knit community turns on the cranks terrifying. who find themselves under increasing pressure to reform. As tension mounts, reader may wonder. readers may wonder whether they will manage to board their plane on Christmas Day. Skipping Christmas is a Grisham light, with none of the serious action or drama of his legal thrillers, Except but apparently a funny a lot of terrifying at attention. the crazy, craziness of Christmas. Terrifying? That seems a little strong. I mean, Nora was terrified a few times. But they burned him at the stake, don't you remember? <laughs> she reaches down to get but something, that's she just comes about back the up. Book. That's just about right. the book. Yeah, but it's not terrifying. What was terrifying in the book? That's what I'm saying. Terrifying is way too strong. What else we got? Okay. Guess, For all uh, its clever, curmudgingly edge and <laughs> minor charms, what? Minor no way charms. does this Christmas yarn from Grisham rank with A Christmas Carol, as the publisher claims. Someone compared it to A Christmas when Carol? When the book first came out, one of the one of the promotional things that the publisher put out talked about how it was a Christmas Carol for a new generation. How? <laughs> he learns what? a lesson. Probably not, and how does that still... Okay, I know how it compares. They're both books. They're both um, take place in the Christmas season, and they're almost the same length. Here, here's is, one, is that what they're saying? Here's one, for the library. I agree with that. here's one from Library Journal. Ooh. Accountant Luther Crank is a Scrooge for the new millennium. He no. learns so much! Because <laughs> no. at the end of the book, he says he's going to skip Christmas next year, maybe. He learned so much. See, I still think that was kind of a, a funny little poke. He was like, maybe I will because we had so much fun this year. I don't think that's a maybe I will skip it because I hated all of this. I don't think that's So funny. he turned into Batman? I think he was just joking about that. Where are the Christmas orders? <laughs> <laughs> Do you guys really think that skipping Christmas is a Christmas carol for the new millennium. Because you'd be weird if you did. Is Luther Crank a Scrooge for us all? Let us well, know he by is. heading over to versusmachine.com and filling out the web form and letting us know what you think. Skipping Christmas? Well, what? Okay, so I mean, you opened the the podcast with asking that, like, and I kind of answered. I have thought about skipping. I, I did think a few times. Like taking a Caribbean cruise. No, I never thought about the cruise party. It would just be, hey, it would be really nice if I didn't have to do obligatory things that so I don't the, really want to do. They're going to save money by not celebrating Christmas and taking a Caribbean cruise. Uh-huh. Okay. I don't let's think no, let's think about the logistics. Let's think about the logistics of this just for a second. Okay. The logistics are they spent $6,100 on Christmas last year. Okay. Uh-huh. So Their cruise is about thirty five hundred dollars according. He said three thousand. Three thousand according. It was to the even book. and even three thousand. And then six hundred dollars they're going to spend on the church. Uh huh. So thirty six. So they're saving a good like twenty four hundred dollars. Twenty five. Wouldn't it just be easier to just not have a party? 
Well, wouldn't that's... wouldn't that be easier? Yeah. I mean that is I, I that mean, was a big I, I'm not part saying I'm not saying skipping Christmas is a bad idea or we're not gonna <laughs> celebrate Christmas or anything like that. But in this specific instance, they're skipping Christmas and they're taking a cruise. It bothered me. Why, Why didn't they just not have the party? Because then that would be just not having the party. That would they would have saved the money. Well, they probably would have saved a lot. It does sound like they did a lot, but that's not. That wasn't the only thing Luther wanted to get out of. He wanted to get out of the uh, pointless gift swaps, the two office two office parties. There's two. Why of them? didn't he just that's not crazy. go to them? Because you need to have a reason for that. But uh, his reason didn't make sense because the office parties happened before the cruise. Do, do you see where I'm getting with this? I mean, I we're guess. Take, we're, we're, we're trying to use the cruise as a reason why we're not doing things. We could have just not did them. So, we, we just so what's chose. your question here? Well, is it, are they really skipping Christmas or are they just being stupid? <laughs> I mean, I mean seriously, are they skipping Christmas or just being stupid? No, they're, because they're definitely skipping Because it. when I hear skipping Christmas, I think, okay, we're just not going to celebrate Christmas. Cool, no. whatever. But they're just being stupid. I don't know. They, they, they skipped s- no, 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 no. Not only that, but they spent like what was it, six to seven hundred dollars on a tanning package. Well, yeah, that started to get and, weird. It's and like then, you're not saving and as then much then money. Now, we're not saving money. We're just doing something stupid. That was what became weird about it. We're spending money doing stupid things. Yeah. If we want to skip Christmas, let's skip Christmas. I'm not saying you can't skip Christmas. If there, if yeah. people are listening right now and they want to skip Christmas. There was another podcast on the network that talked about that talked about how hectic Christmas was. A Call yes. to Courage did a podcast yeah. just recently called Christmas Chaos about how you need to let yourself go at Christmas and not plan so much and kind of just let God find you a way to have Christmas. And that's a great idea. But sure. if we want to skip Christmas, we want to skip Christmas, not take a cruise. The the book should be called a cruise with the cranks, <laughs> not skipping Christmas because it just Christmas. happened. It just happened to occur during Christmas. It just happened to occur during Christmas. It could have been let's skip Easter, <laughs> let's skip Thanksgiving, but that's not believable. Let's skip Memorial. Now you're Day. talking about believability. That's not believable because there's not. Neither is this. There's not a month of chaos leading up to any of those. It's only Christmas. I'm going to fight you on this. You're going to fight you. What's wrong with you? Why does this make sense to you? Because it sounds like it might be fun. <laughs> it's not, Okay, it sounds like it might be fun being terrorized by your neighbors. Free, frosty, free, frosty, <laughs> free, frosty. You find that more believable than half the other stuff? No. Oh, okay, good. I don't find any weird. of it believable. <laughs> I think the entire idea of the book is ridiculous. That, I think, is part of the point, though. It is a little ridiculous. Why does that make it funny? Absurdity is funny. Absurdity is not always funny. Not always. Do you think it's funny in this case? Some of it. The point be the point being is skipping <laughs> Christmas is not a bad idea, but we're not really skipping Christmas in the book. We're just taking a cruise. And we just happen to pull the money from Christmas. Okay, fair enough. The climax. Inevitably, the climax of both the book and the movie is they're getting ready to go on the cruise, and they're all packed for the cruise, and then Blair comes home. Blair calls and said she's coming home with her new fiancé that she met a week ago in the yeah. book and new in college in the movie, 
and they're um, coming home for Christmas, Mm -hmm. and they're expecting the normal Christmas party and everything. Well, no, Blair asks, you guys are doing the party, right? And Luther's like, no, no, no. And and Nora's like, yeah, we're doing it. So basically, Uh (laughs) the point point of the end is she comes home, and they've got to throw together this Christmas party in no time flat, and then all of their neighbors help them throw together this Christmas party. After Luther almost kills himself. Yeah, after Luther almost kills himself hanging up Frosty, even though they were mean to all of their neighbors throughout the entire book. Yeah. And the movie. And the everything. The problem with all of that is, in the book, we get this feeling like his neighbors are there to help him because they care about him. In the movie, we get this feeling like his neighbors are there to help him because it's funny. I, I I don't get the change. Yeah. The the feelings you get from the people that are in the movie versus the book is more like everybody just thinks it's funny that his daughter is coming home and she might have the worst Christmas in the world, even though she's only been gone for like a month and a half. No, it's only been a month. And it's from Thanksgiving. Not, it's not that big of a deal that she's coming home, honestly, except for the fact that she has a Disney princess story and met some dude a week ago and she's going to marry him. Pretty much. But uh, the regardless, the point being is the idea of community in the book, what little there is, it's kind of lost completely in the movie because it it's almost like they help him just because it's funny. And the change of the title between Skipping Christmas and Christmas with the Cranks is kind of important for the simple fact that in the book they're skipping Christmas and in the movie it's just an excuse to get Tim Allen tan and have him fall off and of Botox. a roof. And, bo- and he gets Botox randomly, which doesn't happen in the book. And also didn't really make any sense and he just gets super vain and (sighs) i i mean honestly they could have just threw pamela anderson in it like in home improvement (laughs) she could have walked by getting tan too with some tools and then somehow al borland's there and he's gonna take the cruise with them (laughs) and randomly there are three songs that is what would happen and i i I mean honestly you said earlier that they should have just done tool time Tim the Toolman Taylor, Taylor skips Christmas. And it would have made it's just It's the freaking Home Improvement Christmas special. It would have made just as much sense except for it, it would have been less sense funny. Because they already had several of the same characters in it anyway. You said... Uh, Emmett Walsh was in it, in it and, and Tom Poston. And so Poston. was uh, the priest. Yeah, Tom Poston was yeah. in it too, which, so are both, like, t- which are both Home Improvement characters. Yeah, so why don't we just... Because then freaking... Um, what's his neighbor across the street in Home Improvement? Walt. No, no, in Home Improvement. Uh, the fence guy. The fence guy. Whatever his name oh, is. God. Yeah, that's going to bother me too. But whatever. He could have provided like a moral, you know, in some way. And then, you know, I mean, they could have just done Wilson. home improvement. Was it Wilson? I think so. I think so. Anyway. It was Wilson. That would have been a better movie because then you wouldn't even have to. You could have just been like very loosely based upon Giant Grisham skipping Christmas. Of course, the last time we had something on the versus machine that was loosely based upon. <laughs> what do you mean? Huck Finn? We had, no, we had Oliver. That was no. loosely based on. <laughs> and that was awesome. That was awesome. <laughs> Themes? Yeah, this is uh, normally about this time on the podcast. We normally have the themes of a book because most books have a theme, have some sort of a point, why it was written. 
uh, we don't really have any here. <laughs> so, it is like this is just kind of as you were saying before, it's, comedy for comedy's sake. But we don't know different why. for us to have a book that doesn't have some big lesson or theme in yeah, it. Yeah, it's kind of because unusual. most of the books that we do here are are classics or books that have big emotional lessons that we think people need to know. Yeah. In this case, we're kind of doing something, because it's Christmas, we're kind of doing something that is Christmas fun for theme. fun's sake. The problem Should have been a little with, less vapid, though. The problem with that is, is that's exactly it. It's vapid. Yeah. It's vapid in the book, and it's even more vapid even more so. in the movie. There's just no point. <laughs> it's, it's, very, it's very surface. It doesn't have a whole lot of story it doesn't have a whole lot of plot it just kind of is for its sake it's supposed to be funny the problem is there's a dry humor in the book that isn't carried into the movie no because the movie movie is so trying to be overtly funny it's Uh like it's like your best friend that really wants you to like them so they do everything they possibly can to make you like them and it's okay. weird. It doesn't. <laughs> and it's weird. It doesn't feel right. It feels forced, sure. and it it's not there. And especially in the terms of the movie, what little lessons there were to gather here about community, about helping each other, about the idea of being good to each other at Christmas. There's none of that in the movie. Really. The movie is just trying to be funny, and it doesn't work. So, what do you guys think? Do you guys think there's any real? significant themes or lessons or value or substance in skipping Christmas or Christmas with the Cranks, head on over to facebook.com slash versus machine and let us know there because we'd like to hear from you because we don't really know. Lessons. Wait, didn't we just say that there weren't any? (laughs) Is this a classic? No. Do you think this is a classic? No. Oh. Okay, then. Comedy for comedy's sake. This You've is... been talking about this a lot, so what exactly do you mean? Comedy for comedy's sake is an idea that is literally the takeaway from the book and the movie is we wrote something funny just for you to laugh at it. And okay. saying comedies for comedy's sake is to ask the question, and I'm going to ask you, and then I'll extrapolate on my answer. Okay. Do you think there's value in writing or filming something simply to make you laugh? I think so. Um, I realize this isn't a comedy, but this was the thought I had walking out from the um, 2014 Godzilla movie, was there was really no point to that. But it was still entertaining to watch these big giant things like beat each other up, and that was kind of a nice diversion. And it was it was actually, you know, good fight scenes and stuff. But if that's like all you're writing or all you're watching, that's weird because you you should be doing more than just kind of pointless things. So occasionally, comedy for comedy's sake, sure. There's certainly some value to that. Sometimes you just need to laugh. You don't really get it from the movie too much. I had some good couple laugh out loud moments with the book. Because I like the kind of dry humor thing. But So there is some value to it, just not all the time. A lot of the time, especially when I review something, I like to talk about how things should have a point. 
they should be trying to improve life or examine life or something for a reason. There's nothing wrong with something that is funny just for the sake of being funny. There are several family movies in the past that are funny just for the simple sake of being funny. I can think of off the top of my head... Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the second one, The Secret of the Ooze, was a movie that was just funny to be funny. <laughs> yeah. It didn't have a point. Money, but it was funny. It didn't have a point. It wasn't, you know, great. It was just funny because it was funny. Sure. And there's nothing wrong with being funny for for funny's sake. The problem is the movie's not. Yeah. The book the <laughs> yeah. book what the book was to a certain extent. Sure. It still had a little bumps, it still had its problems. But the movie was not funny for funny's sake because it wasn't funny. The movie was very the movie was very surface, vapid. It didn't have a whole lot of depth. It didn't have a whole lot of anything. And you can't have humor without the slightest bit of care one way or the other. Especially when it's not even funny. It's really sad to see that too, because you know, as I said at the very beginning. Chris Columbus also wrote Home Alone, which is another thing that they just did a perspective review of on twoguystalking.com. Home, they did Home Alone. Mm-hmm. And Home Alone is is one movie that is has a lesson, but it's a lot of funny for funny's sake. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, Tom and Jerry abuse humor, but it's still funny. And the same guy who directed that movie wrote this movie... Oh, he actually wrote it. I thought he was just the director. No, oh, Joe Roth was the di- Joe Roth was the director you know, of this I had movie. Confused. Well, okay, um, but he it doesn't have the same appeal. It no. doesn't have the same idea. And so the takeaway from all of this is honestly the takeaway from the entire podcast is it's okay to have something that's funny just to be funny. The book is something that's funny just to be funny. Yeah, it's very funny, and it the only purpose of it is to give you some joy. But if you're going to do something that's funny, make, make it sure funny. Make sure it's actually funny. Make sure it's uh-huh. actually funny. Don't do toilet humor and poke fun at <laughs> dumb shit just because you can. It's not It's not going to help anything. Sure, it's sure. not going to make any... Pur- it doesn't serve a purpose. The fact is, while the book has a point, the movie spends an hour and a half of your time while <laughs> literally making no idea... Yeah. Of any sort of semblance of a point. Yeah. And then Marty is Santa Claus at the end of the movie. <laughs> no, And he that flies was, away oh with reindeer in a Volkswagen it. Beetle. That killed it so hard. It was so... It was just way too much. It's, Marty, what's his name? Turns out he's Santa. Can you believe it? You can't... <laughs> no. You can't just do all of that. You no, can't just... Dumb. You can't just it leave dumb. it. It doesn't make sense to do that. So what do you think we should call this episode? Skipping Christmas with the Cranks? Because you should just skip Christmas with the Cranks? Yeah. As in not watch the movie? No, don't oh, watch okay. the movie. I like that title because it's also a before and after. If you thing. really want to know about the story, just read the book. Yeah. Well, that does it for us here at the Versus Machine Podcast. I'm Joseph Burge. I'm Richard Gibson. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Versus Machine Podcast on the Two Guys Talking Podcast Network. Be sure to like us on Facebook and share your thoughts on this and other episodes inside our online archive of programs that span a wide variety of genres. It's all about comparison, and we want to know what you think. 
The links to do all of this and show notes for this episode are available at versusmachinepodcast.com. That's versusmachinepodcast.com. Thank you for listening and provide us with your thoughts and contrasting opinions to keep the gears of the Versus Machine running. Power down.